You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Kill! 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 Alan Seiler. I don't have a quote, so I'll just have to say <laughs> hello. Veronica Daschle. Hi. Matt Sweatman. Hi, guys. And Elaine Sweatman. Hi. <laughs> we have a full house today. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. Now we'll be we'll be talking a little bit just about the first season of Star Trek the original series. But first, we have any news, Alan? There's so much stuff that happened this past <laughs> week. So I'm gonna just be selective and I'm gonna be quick because right. we've got a lot of stuff to cover tonight. Um, the first one is that Lower Decks has been nominated for an Annie Award, and that is a uh, an excellence in animation international um, and um, discovery. Well-deserved hmm? well and discovery has been nominated for both an NAACP and a glad award. Awesome. awesome. So wow. that, that is exceptional, exceptional. That's and that's, and that's, you know, not too long before the next season starts. So that's a, that's a good bit of press for them. Mm, sure Absolutely. Is. There is, I'm sure most people are familiar with the series of novels that are uh, the autobiography series. And there has been one on Spock and one on Picard and one on Janeway and whatever. And so they have just announced the next one that's going to be coming up. And that is the autobiography of Benjamin Sisko. <laughs> and this is, these are novels, you know, because obviously these characters don't really exist for them to actually write an autobiography. This one is written by Derek Tyler Attico. He's a two-time winner of the strange new worlds writing contest, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool that they're going wow. sort of fan, you know, for yep. this, this new novel. And I'm really excited about it. We're going to get some backstory on, on Mr. Cisco. Awesome. Alan, right. you said it's not real, but you know, there's always that theory that every bit of fiction is actually a reflection of a real universe somewhere that we're just well, dreaming. We're seeing well, I mean, so Benny, uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is real. I created it. <laughs> so, yes, um, Mike McMahon has uh released a few little spoilers, well, teases about Star Trek Lower Decks season four. Um, there will be a wedding, they Ooh. are going to be visiting mm -hmm. Orion, all right, and we are definitely getting more peanut hamper. Yay. <laughs> Boo. And hey, I hope it's a Betazoid wedding, <laughs> right? I mean, that would be if, awesome if you're gonna see it on any show, it's gonna be on Lower Decks. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm and really then, curious about visiting Orion. We've heard so much about Orion for decades. Mm -hmm. Also, it what could it be Troy and Riker's wedding? No, uh, they already got married. married. Yeah. They got married already. They already married at that point. Yeah, yeah. that was Nemesis. yeah. Oh, that's right. It'll be some goofy like wedding. It won't even be a serious one, I'll bet you. It'll be like mm -hmm. a spoof kind of thing or a decoy sort of thing. And then finally, and this one I'm <laughs> kind of excited about, there is a new 
children's picture book coming out called To Boldly Go. Let me get the full title here. I, I just lost it on my screen. Um, eh, where is it? Um, dang it. Okay, here it is. I got it. To Boldly Go, How Nichelle Nichols and Star Trek Helped Advance Civil Rights. And this is uh, written by Angela Dalton, a former video game producer and now an award-winning author of children's books. And this is going to be telling the story of how Nichelle used her platform to um, to make advances in the world, to like she used her station to do good. And I'm super excited about this. I don't know a release date yet, but that is on the horizon. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking, so, yeah, I'm looking that's forward exciting. to that. And this is coming this is coming just a couple of weeks after the announcement of the the new foundation that they have started in her honor to advance science and STEM research and all kinds of stuff. So I'm excited about this. Good good stuff is happening for Nichelle. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. And there's that. a lot more stuff to go over, but that's all I'm going to report on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. All right, Keith, we got some This Week in Trek this week? Yeah, like Alan, there's a lot of stuff, so I'm going to winnow it down to a couple of key things uh, in Trek history. This is kind of important. In January 16th, 1967, this will come up in conversation. The first day of filming on an episode called The Devil in the Dark. Ooh. (gasps) (laughs) Which I know ranks really high in some people's estimation. It's a great Mm -hmm. episode. It's an absolutely classic episode about prejudice and jumping to conclusions. (laughs) And also, I think we also know that uh, a story about this was on Jump Ahead four days on January 20th, 1967, is while filming when William Shatner got a call from his mother that his father had passed away. Mm. And... They were getting ready to shut down production of the for the day. And they said, why don't we just wrap production? And Shatner said, no, let's keep going. And so he kept filming that day, even though he knew his father had died. And as soon as they wrapped production, he ran and jumped on a plane and went to go to go and bury his father. And I found a quote from Eddie Paskey, you know, our everybody's favorite, Mr. Leslie, who said that a lot of people on the crew did not know his father had died. Yeah. And he insisted, like Leonard Nimoy knew DeForest Kelly knew. And he said, that's a testament to the dedication of the man. We didn't know. And he kept going. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely amazing, I think. Uh, Also on January 16th, but go for it, almost 30 years, 1995, UPN debuts a new series with an episode called Caretaker. Wow. And that series was Voyager. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Launched the new network. Are you Hmm? sure it was Voyager? Are you sure it wasn't Platypus Man? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you remember that dumb show? Yes. <laughs> hey, or worse, homeboys in outer space. Right. <laughs> with, with, with James doing his pippin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Jeff and Ford, quickly. 19, I, I say this because this is another seminal episode that will also be coming up in conversation. January 19th, 1967, Arena. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ah. Airs on broadcast television. Yeah, another classic episode about prejudice and about watching your um, what your impulse is because it's one of those classic "I want to kill but I'm not going to kill" episodes, mm-hmm. and also one of the first of the godlike aliens, the Metrons. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is a good one. 1994. This is fascinating. January 19, 1994. The episode "Whom Gods Destroy." Debuts for the first time in the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's wow. right. Wow. Yeah, 
That's one almost, of those ones that got pulled from the original broadcast when they sent the episodes over. Yeah. They, yes. they were those ones that they chose not to. Right. Yeah. Do y'all know the other three episodes that were not aired in the United Kingdom uh, originally? Was, was Patterns of Force one of them? No. Ooh. Although uh, that that was uh, that's one, but it was aired sooner, and that one didn't air in Germany for a long time. Right. Yeah. There's three others. Uh, this may give you a clue. This, uh, the BBC at the time said these episodes will not air in the United Kingdom because they have unpleasant mm-hmm. dealings with madness, torture, sadism, and disease. Oh wow. Dagger of the mind. No, um, I'll give you a clue. One of them was um, the fir- was one of the first interracial kisses in television history. Okay, Plato's stepchildren. Thank yep. you for saying one of because yeah, people <laughs> we'll always say it was the and it was not exactly the. right. The, the other one was the famous na 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 na. Which is, remember that Kirk says, no, blah, blah, blah. You guys know what that episode is? Yeah. Is that Miri? That's Miri because of the oh, disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the other one they would not, and of course, play those Shep children, which had S&M and all kinds of weird stuff. I can see they have objections <laughs> to that mess. Yeah, the really empath. Nice. The empath okay. was deemed too violent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really great but all those, uh, yeah. All those episodes were finally aired in the 90s. So almost wow. 30 years they were banned in Great Britain, which is a yeah. fascinating that's strange okay. that season one of Star Trek was more violent than the Daleks and Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, but you know, like if you could play those stepchildren, they were literally trying to force those guys to whip women, and mm-hmm. and then one of them had a hot poker he was going to brand somebody with. So right, that's that's pretty intense. And two last quick things. This is fantastic. January twentieth, nineteen. Oh, January twenty first, nineteen seventy two. The first Star Trek convention was held in New York. Nice. And what can we say about that? This is only just a couple of short years after the series had been canceled. And of course, everybody knows the legendary story. Gene Roddenberry and everybody involved with this were like, "Is anybody going to show up? What do we talk <laughs> about? Right. Um, we booked this hall. Are we going to fill it up? And of course, you know what happened. It was so big. They had to turn people away. Mm. And, yeah. you know, now nobody can even conceive. We have so many cons. Nobody can kind of conceive of a con being something that you're worried about, uh, <laughs> especially Star yeah. Trek con. Um, and the last unless, thing. Hmm, say that again. Go I was going to say, unless you're running one. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Good Let point. Me tell and, you some stories. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, I do want to shout out one birthday. 1920, January 20th was the birthday of one DeForest Kelly Bones hey, McCoy. I love him. Yeah. Yes. Also, this week. also mm-hmm. the birthday of one Tom Baker. That's right. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Oh, same day. They share oh. the day. They do. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Every year on the Hulanta page, I always post that image of <laughs> Dr. McCoy saying that he's a doctor and doctor saying I'm the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before we go too far, uh, Wayne Beatty is here. He says, hey, hey Wayne. Hey, he Wayne. says, got here an hour early, yet I still came in late. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were all, only a minute or two. It's no big deal. And he also says, wait, the empath was deemed too violent. Yes, there was, there was some torture in that. Yeah, yeah, because they hung McCoy up, literally hung him up and tortured him, and it was pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Wayne, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yes. Yay! Anybody else watching? Just post comments or questions as we go along. So. Mm-hmm.
Back to you, Chuck. All right, so let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Season 1. So stay right there. Attention, people of Earth! Looking for a way to kill half an hour every week? Try the Flopcast! It's a silly podcast about cartoons, music, comics, movies, obscure pop culture from the 70s and 80s, and chickens. Join us! Bring coffee! We're on the ESO Network. And we're at Flopcast.net. We're talking today with Matt and Elaine Sweatman about Star Trek season one. And we wanted to have them on for, for one. They, they recently on their personal Facebook pages have been posted their little journey watching the show together. And I know Elaine, it was a first time watch for you and a lot of the, for a lot of these episodes. Yes. And then Matt went through, I know Matt, it wasn't a first time watch for you, but <laughs> he went no. through and ranked all the episodes uh, in a series of posts in our Facebook group, which was a lot of fun. And so we thought yes. you guys would be the perfect people to talk to and come on and talk about the first season of Star Trek. So I guess, uh, starting with Matt, uh, yes. guys, what is your experience with Star Trek this first season? Um, well, I, I've never thought of them as being a separate entity because I always watched them with reruns where they were intermingled with other season episodes. Mm-hmm. So this is like mm. probably the first time I thought of them, especially since we're taking a, a break before we go into season two. This is the first time I've, I've sort of seen them as a separate entity. Um, mm. So it is interesting from that perspective because it is a much stronger season than I think later seasons are. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess you watched it when you were young. Uh, well, young adult. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, by the time I got into Next Generation, I I went through and and, and would always watch them on reruns, and eventually I don't. I not in order, so I don't know exactly when I completed watching them all, but eventually I know I'd seen them all. So. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, Elaine, how many of these episodes has you seen before? Do you think? Um. Well, I've probably seen some from other season, but out okay. of this season, I know one, two, three, maybe I had seen previously. If you, if you can count them on one hand, it's pretty fresh. <laughs> Especially since back in the 60s, seasons were long. Right. Oh, yeah. You right. know, they are crammed yes. with amazing episodes. And right. so if you see three or five of them, that's that's a small percentage compared to what we get today. Yeah, nobody, that's like half of the season now. No, well, <laughs> nobody in my family watched Star Trek, so yeah. it was not on Same. in my house. It wasn't, mm. you yeah. know, my dad doesn't really watch TV, and it wasn't something my mom ever watched. So mm. I yeah. may have seen one here and there, and then when I, you know, when I met Matt, then I know we watched a few. Sometimes they'd have a marathon, and we would just have it on, and right. so. I've seen some episodes, but it's not mm-hmm. ever been a concerted effort to make sure I see every single episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's Doctor, a, it's Who, a, Doctor Who came before that. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very different experience when you've seen episodes and you've seen them in like whatever order, you know, whatever channel you're watching them on airs, you know, and they're they, they don't always air the same and sometimes they're mixed up with other things. And then you sit down and watch them in order. It's a very different thing. It, it It's very enlightening to see the way that the way the show is made progresses. Mm. 
right. as, as well as like the character development and seeing how characters sort of like, you know, become solidified throughout the season. They get a better idea of what they want and where the actor is going to go with it and things like that. And it's really a cool experience to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Elaine, had you therefore watched things like TNG, DS9, Voyager, Discovery, Picard, and now you went back and watched the OS? Um, I have not seen any of DS9. Well, no, I take that back. I watched, we watched an episode, didn't we, Matt? <laughs> Recently, yeah, just the 100th episode. When, you know. <laughs> yeah, you have to see Matt, that one. Yeah. Matt. That was your homework that week. But I, Do we yeah. enterprise before Discovery? Yes, I've, I've never seen any of Voyager. I had wow. not seen wow. any. I had not seen any of Enterprise until we started. Yeah, you know, that's this that's project. That's and awesome. now you're almost done with that. But mm-hmm. for for new Trek, I guess to say like Discovery, Strange New yeah. World, because I have in Lower Decks and Prodigy. Uh, Prodigy, I have seen all of those. Right. Wow. But, so That's it's amazing. Kind of, but you know what? It's kind of like what I did with Doctor Who. I started watching New Who and then went back and mm-hmm. caught mm-hmm. up. So I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> Very good. You caught up on Classic Who? I've seen all, yes. And we're watching wow. through our second or third time with Classic Who. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. So, nice. just any, uh, one question, <laughs> Elaine, out of curiosity, because it doesn't bother those of us who started watching it and so forth. But I do hear some people, especially people in their 20s who had never watched the original series who started with TNG and stuff. I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of people actually complain that they do have a trouble. They do have trouble with some of the bad special effects and so forth and the look. Mm-hmm. Did sure. any of that throw you at all when mm-hmm. you looked at the original series? No, no, because I have watched Doctor Who and I've also watched no. Red Dwarf and Red Dwarf wow. that really funky. So, no. Okay. Yeah. Those bad anything, special effects don't bother me. Yeah. I've seen Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if anything, like when they put in the new effect, like the new CGI yeah. effects, those mm-hmm. throw me off more than clunky ones because I'm like, that just looks yeah. too new and shiny. I don't like that. Yeah, right. amen. I never yeah. watched the I never watched the uh, the updated original series things. I watched the original uh, yeah. stuff, so I never watched the. Yeah, at least Star Trek didn't have a toilet plunger in it. So no. Well, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> okay, before I'm, we, I'm oh, sorry. I, I no, want to jump saying, in and talk about yes. Oh, somebody. I was going to say I have seen some episodes of Next Generation. Okay. Because I liked Will Wheaton, and so I was trying to see Aww. him. That, was, <laughs> so, yeah. that is so awesome that you're on this journey of discovery for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is cool. Yeah. So Wayne, about watching uh, the original series, said, I had to sneak in and <laughs> the channel while everyone was eating dinner. I was probably the only one who watched Star Trek. Wow. wow. Dude. And The Outer Limits and The Twilight Zone. Dude, that's some good, good, good television right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Bonanza and Wonderful World of Dizzy <laughs> and Wild Kingdom. <laughs> I did love all that stuff. I got to say. Yes. <laughs> and we have an idea already of how Matt ranks the episodes because we, we followed along with him. <laughs> we're going to come back to that. But Elaine, what, what were the standout episodes for you? Um. Mm. The, oh, I had to, I have my little list because see I have to make note because I don't remember anything. <laughs> Is silver um, eyes on the list? Yes, yeah, silver eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where no man has gone before. Yeah. Um, that one sticks out to me because I've seen it more than once. Mm. So, mm. um, 
along with the Corbomite maneuver. Maybe I've seen more than three. Um, and I was trying to be prepared in my brain. <laughs> That's all right. Blank. Um, the Corbite maneuver is a great one. That's one of my favorite. It is. Yeah, Absolutely. I do. I do yeah. like the little kid. And I remember seeing bits and pieces of that sometimes just randomly. Right. You know, I always knew the little kid was at the end. Yeah, Clint <laughs> Howard, that was sort of a pop culture thing where you'd see yeah. images of Clint Howard all over the place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, We've watched I, that for New Year's before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's our, that's my New Year's episode. <laughs> if, you, if you time it just right, right, Baylock counts down, right. and then <laughs> after the countdown, it's a it's a toast. So it works out perfectly. It's a big yes. glowing ball. It's it's great. <laughs> um, I do really like the one in because my brain had gone blank and I can't think of the name of it, but it's the one with Joan Collins in it. Okay, yeah. Oh, that, that's a popular choice. That's yes. it. <laughs> on the edge of forever. Yes. Yes, that one. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yep, there's nothing controversial about picking that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Matt, I know you went through recently, you ranked the entire season, episode by episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of what were your criteria ranking the episodes? Well, I started out by trying to put them in bunches. But okay. the problem with season one is after you get the past a couple of kind of clunkers, they're pretty much all great. So Wait, yeah. clunkers? Clunkers? Well, I'm thinking of the man trap and the alternative factor, but once you got past those two, (laughs) they're all great. And, 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 um, so I had to like nitpick them, honestly. Mm -hmm. Oh Uh, yeah, of course. Find little things to, to differentiate. I mean, there, to me, there's about nine episodes. Some people might think 10, uh, that are undoubtedly just great television. And then there's a lot of really good episodes that are classics beyond Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was, what was your number one episode? Uh, the city on the age of forever. Good choice. A, a conventional choice, but <laughs> I'd be dishonest if I didn't say it was my favorite. So, but mm. you know, a yeah. lot of the, a lot of when you say that a conventional choice, but those things get chosen for very good reasons. Agreed. You know, mm-hmm. all those ones like in modern doctor who blink, mm-hmm. those things <laughs> always get listed because they mm-hmm. are that good. There's a yeah. reason why everyone right. comes back to those episodes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. What was your lowest ranked episode? <laughs> the alternative factor. <laughs> also Easy, a good choice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Easiest choice in the list. Uh, yeah, get the my, obvious ones out of the way. Yeah, it's my kill, kill, kill at the beginning, Max. I knew that wouldn't really get ranked. <laughs> but you know, you know, I have fun with that episode. Now, mm, unlike mm-hmm. other things, I'm not laughing with it. I'm laughing at it. But I have a lot of fun laughing at it. <laughs> yeah, you can take a drink every time Lazarus has a different beard. And <laughs> oh, that drove me up the wall. You might ask through the episode. <laughs> or falls off a falls off the rock side because he falls a couple of three times, which is wild. Yeah. 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 They keep going back to the planet and there's one scene where I, I swear they're filming them setting up for the scene. They don't know they're being filmed where for no reason, <laughs> Lazarus just starts running up the hill <laughs> for no reason other than to set up the fall he's about to do in the next bit. <laughs> well, right. to, to turn to the comments for a moment, uh, our buddy Wayne uh, commented that it's curious that no one has mentioned Charlie X. And oh, that's an dude. episode that I like a lot that I think is underrated. 
Yeah, um, Honestly, I love that episode. I love it and too. It, it's also one that people will mention a lot as far as the the gender politics in that episode. Yeah, being dated. Yeah. So I'm yep. wondering, Elaine, did that? Did you bump up against that in some of these episodes? Um, yes, but at the same time, I knew I was watching a show that was filmed in the '60s, and right. so that just what it was mm. then you know and to be able to look at it and know that things have changed and just you know it's sort right. of like a history lesson in a way mm-hmm. right. kind of, yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah that's how i watch um because i watch a ton of 1920s and 1930s movies Mm-hmm. And if there are black people in it, they're usually like, you know, comic relief or, you know, uh, really offensive mm-hmm. servants. And, but it's, it's a, it's a lesson. It's one you get, I, I think you need to know how people think at a certain time. I don't think you should hide that, but it also shows mm-hmm. where you come. And at the same time, what's fascinating, Elaine, you mentioned where no man has come before is one of your greatest episodes. Of course, it's a sad story, but what an amazing thing that that episode at that time initially had a woman on the bridge who mm-hmm. everybody listened to. Of course, then mm-hmm. she got bounced. <laughs> Yeah, for several decades. Yeah. <laughs> right. But what a bold move at first to start out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another early episode that has sort of similar criticisms is Mud's Women. And, and Veronica, oh, yeah. I know that you watched that <laughs> for the first time uh, not too long ago, within the last year. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, what did you think of Mud's Women when you saw it for the first time? It was a 60s episode. It wasn't that much different than any other 60s episode or any current TV set in the 60s. I mean, if you look at Mad Men. Yeah. What did you think yeah. of Buzz Woman Elaine? Um well my note was that I put women trafficking. I had like little Right. Maybe I should have also put like mail order bride because that's right. kind of yeah, that's really know. more yeah. yeah, that's that's really yeah. what they were going for. And and Roddenberry had done a Miller Bright episode as part of Have Gun Will Travel as well. That, mm. was, that yeah. was for me better. But um, I mean, there's some of these early episodes that for me they sort of paint a, a different picture of life on the frontier of the Federation. You right. know, this yeah. is one where these ladies had grown up in remote outposts, you know, and you they, they mentioned little brief things about these remote outposts where they grew up, you know. Um right. and then another one is Conscience of the King. Where yes. you get to see a little more of civilian life out on the Federation frontier than you normally do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah back on. Uh, go ahead, uh, Matt. Now I was going to say that that's I always strikes me as a very atypical episode. It doesn't. It's not a very mm-hmm. typical. You know, it's not like right. many, any other episode in the season. Yeah, yeah agreed. Absolutely. There are many that? episodes like it. The contract. Oh, I love that. That's that's yeah. I just I adore that episode. It's so incredibly good because yeah. it's such powerful acting. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, the guy who plays uh Kodos slash Anton Caridian is just amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I love O'Reilly down in the decks where somebody takes that 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 uh like Formula 409 bottle and poisons him while we're singing to him. I love right? that guy. Yeah. yeah, I wish he had been on more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just just breaks my heart. I I just think he's the coolest character. Yeah, me too. Uh, Wayne says, uh, "Thanks to Mad Men, the '60s or '70s <laughs> were finally explained to me." <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. Back on back on Muds Women. One thing one thing I did kind of like about Muds Women was it did have some good humor. This is where Spock's character was still being fleshed out because he puts on a big ass <laughs> smile. 
when he goes into Kirk's cabin. Remember, he says the captain and crew of the of the vessel, and he has a huge <laughs> smile on his face because he knows Kirk's about to see those women, which I always <laughs> yeah. always find. And that was, I think, the that was one of the first that was, that may be the first usage of the word Vulcanian, which I think mm. was only used once or twice because that's okay. when he asked Spock. He asked Spock if he was part Vulcanian. Right. Um, and from a personal thing, and I've said this before, that Harry Mud is not the Harry Mud that Discover gave Discovery gave us. And I don't like this new I don't yeah. like that psychopathic, murderous Harry Mud in Discovery. I like this goofy Harry Mud who looks like a bad pirate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you just you could not do a character like that yeah. when Discovery was being made and it have any sort of you know, the audience taking it seriously in any way. It it just would not play at all. Right. Yeah. I, I just didn't like they wouldn't they made him go full serial killer or whatever the heck he is, but yeah, well, I agree. But the but the other side of that is that if if you can't do that kind of character, then why do mud? Right. You know? uh, yeah. yeah. Just I make agree. a new character or something, you know? Yeah. I, I, I like both versions of Mud. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I'm not a big Rain Wilson fan, but I did like Mud. His his mud more than yeah, here for Harry the mud. original. <laughs> well, I think he's a I think he's a type of character from the westerns of the time. You would see characters like oh, that sure. quite often. So yeah, it, it, it seems natural that they would have brought him into Star Trek in the sixties. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Because that, audiences understand that kind of character in the sixties, and that's right. the sort of show that Gene was making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was yeah. making it to fit in with that kind of television. Wagon train to the stars. And Star Trek yeah, very totally. much grew out of the Western, and you could early episodes. I think that's even more apparent than it is later on. You know, there's Absolutely. a lot of even. I mean, like the man trap, and they beam down, and they've got those sort of like holsters for their yeah for, for their awesome. lasers, You know, right? <laughs> yeah. And even and even when you speak, speaking of that, Charles, with, uh, in the man trap, when um, when Kirk shoots Crater, it's like a bullet ricochet sound. Remember that? The, you hear the phaser, <laughs> mm-hmm, and there's yeah. a bing sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the most I, overused sound effects because yeah. how do you know they've shot a gun unless you hear that ricochet sound? Yeah, <laughs> right. And Matt, it's, Matt, it's funny you said that um, Man Trap wasn't one of your favorite episodes. As you know, of course, mm-hmm. it was the it was the debut uh, episode for the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Gene Roddenberry and Gene Kuhn and several people also didn't care for that one that show being the debut. And Gene Roddenberry even said he didn't like the music in that episode. He said, mm. this is way too much like some kind of standard monster show. And that's not what Star Trek's mm. supposed to be. So right. he even hated the music in that episode. Yeah. See, I don't hate that episode, but I do think it, it was a weird choice to be the first debut episode because you sort, I sort of feel like you're just kind of thrown into everything. Which That's not a bad thing, but mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. a weird... Yeah set up like you're supposed to get to know people in the show and you don't really it's sort of yeah it would have been better later in the season probably mm. yeah I, I think they probably put it out first for one it was done and like right. corbomite mm-hmm. has yeah. too much so many visual effects it took forever to get done. right exactly but there's a monster in it as well which yeah, as right. far as if you're a network and you're trying to program this you're thinking it's a kid's show there's a monster in this one exactly I, I think a lot of what you do learn about the characters is not important information later about mccoy's Lost yeah. love and his, you know Spock and Uhura and things like that. Like yeah. if if you were introduced to the character through this episode, you, you don't need to remember any of this because it's never going to come up again. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Was that when you say spark and hurl? Although was that the that was that the thing when they said there's um the, they reported one dead and Spark just says acknowledged and horror goes off on him because that dead person could have been Kirk. Was that the episode? I, I think it is right. I think it is. Okay. I think it is. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> nope. I think okay. I know Remember, what you're talking about, but I don't know if it's that one or I not. I think it's that it's the episode because uh, they said they told Mr. Spock they were beaming up a landing party. And they said they report one dead. And Spock emotionally says, oh. "Acknowledged." Yeah, that was a man did, Yeah, that was it. So that Thank that you. did get that give it that gave us some good insight into Spock's personality because mm-hmm. who was like, "How in the world can you say that it could have been mm-hmm. Captain Kirk?" And he gives her that lecture, which is basically my emotional reaction won't change the facts that have happened. And right. and that they had just had that little tete a tete about her fl- kind of flirting with him. And then she walks away pissed off because, after all, he's a cold, emotionless Vulcan. So I thought that was a good interaction there. <laughs> now, Matt, you recently, I mean, we talked about, you've, you had the experience of ranking these episodes publicly right. on a public forum. Right. And if, if mm-hmm. Now, Star Trek fans are not prone to argue about things <laughs> <laughs> or to be opinionated. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, boy. I'm kind of wondering what that experience is like for you, um, you know, getting the feedback. Or is it, do you like to get, you know, people commenting back or is it <laughs> you get oh. a lot of pushback on episodes like what are some memorable moments of that experience for you taste armageddon I'm well <laughs> we have the a taste of armageddon i'll say that the thing i learned most from this watch through is there are more fans of a taste of armageddon than i ever knew dude yes but, no <laughs> but um no i i enjoyed that i i wanted that i never claimed this was trying to be definitive i don't have that kind yeah. of arrogance this is just my opinion Right. And I wanted yeah. people to tell me, hey, where where am I got it wrong? Where, you know, where do you want this episode to be? So I certainly got that feedback and I'm very pleased well, about that. Well, fortunately, you at least heart a non-seven. So yeah. <laughs> right. <Absolutely. laughs> yeah. If you're listening on the audio podcast, Matt Matt's uh his name on the screen is I Heart a Non Seven. Awesome. <laughs> so, Matt, and I do I like just, the episode. I just there's just so many good ones and yeah, right. Lower than anybody else would have it. Apparently, <laughs> it, it, it's like you have to. There's what 39 episodes in the season, so something has to be 39. Something has to be 38. But when you know when you really think about it, it's like you have a 10 way tie for number one, at yeah. least a five to seven way tie for number two. So uh-huh. it's not like something that falls down at number eight or nine or ten means that it isn't that good. Right. Uh, it's just that right. there's so much good, especially in that first season. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but Matt, here's a question for you, because, you know, when I wrote my first book, Doctor mm-hmm. Who's Greatest Hits, um, yeah. I started it by doing the same kind of thing that you were doing, where I was just leading up to the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. I was mm-hmm. doing a post every day where I was ranking my 50, what I think is the 50 best Doctor Who stories ever made. Right. I spent so much time on that list and where things should go and what, why should this go above that one? And, and what if I swap those two around? How much time did you, did you actually like re rework the list and think, well, this one is good, but is it better than that one? And you know, what should be number one and what should be number 15 or whatever? I wanted to go with my gut. I mean, yeah. because I've seen them enough to where I don't need to analyze them that much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I did was I said, I'm just going to, I had an idea of the grouping and just go go with my gut. And I figured that was somehow more honest. Sometimes if you overthink it, you might yeah. regret yeah. it later when you, you still be th- overthinking it later. So I, I think I, came, <laughs> I think I popped out the list in about 20 minutes. 
Oh Some, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Some, sometimes, because sometimes when you look at movies and TV show episodes, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's the most like fine restaurants. There may be a restaurant that has the best meal, but you're not going to eat it as much as I don't know McDonald's or something. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like what you say about your gut because you're right. There's some episodes that just grab you. Like for me, Balance of Terror just grabs me. I don't even mm-hmm. think about God, it. Yes. I, I adore that episode in the yeah. story. You know. Yeah. So Veronica and Elaine, what what did y'all pick for your number ones from the first season? Or if you had to just name number one, what what which one nope. stands out more for you? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the one with Cook's brother. Okay. Operation Annihilate. Operation Annihilate. Uh the one where Spock gets the thing on the back of his uh his back and he goes he goes all nuts. That's right. Uh uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I encourage the two the one word with flying flappy things. <laughs> That's the one. That's yes, yes. That's the one. How about you, Elaine? What what would you say the number one for you? Uh, my favorite, uh, probably that city on the edge of tomorrow. Forever. I remember the name forever. forever. <laughs> you didn't. No, I didn't. I was city, on the, city on the edge of tomorrow was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, Keith, what's your number one? Whoa, uh, it it jumps back and forth, but this is you're not going to believe this. I think it's Balance of Terror. Okay. Why would we believe that? I yeah. believe you know what? I mean, come on. As Matt was just saying, as Alan was saying, if you ask me next week, it might change because as I'm Alan sure. said, there's like 10 tied for top 10, but Balance <laughs> of Terror, Balance of Terror, it's just, it's got everything that Roddenberry wanted for Trek. It's good science fiction. It is phenomenal drama. Forget yeah. science fiction, it's phenomenal drama. And it also has a great message about prejudice and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the Rodenberry have ever looked as good before. Uh, sense is mm. you know when a Robin is first introduced and you see that guy saying enterprise we're a mile deep on an asteroid of solid iron and then you see that huge plasma ball which by the way is so fast the enterprise can barely get away from it at high warp what an introduction yeah. and yeah i think the introduction of the Romulans as looking like Vulcans is still one of the greatest shocks in television history. Cause I saw this way back when I had no clue that was the case. So for wow. me uh-huh. as a kid, that was a shock. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't know that back in the day. Mm-hmm. I just adored that episode. Yeah. How about you, Alan? Um, it would probably have to be balance of terror. All that right. Is, that is just an incredibly well-made, well-written, well-acted episode, mm-hmm. but a very close second, and and it might flip-flop on certain days. And I'm not saying this just for Mad, but a Taste of Armageddon <laughs> is so good. I we think alike. <laughs> I love that episode so much. And then yes. uh, the other contender for the number one spot is Devil in the Dark. Yeah, mm. superb, yeah. superb right. episode. Which is is the one where Spock's dangling from a tree and laughing? Is that in season one? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. yes, I is. like that one too. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is uh, this this side of paradise. That's right. Yes. Sure, I I call that the hippie episode. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne she hasn't num- seen the third season episode yet with real space hippies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wayne's top pick is Conscience of the King. I love, love that episode. Pick. That's oh, a good yeah. pick and an out of out of the box pick. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I'm like you guys. I would go between Devil in the Dark, City on the Edge, Balance of Terror. Like they're the top ones. I think I don't know one that I just. I mean, I love um, the Corbin Might Maneuver. I just love that episode. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. everything about it. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
as if we're talking about like which one I would rank like the highest quality, it'd be one of the three I just mentioned. Yeah, we're talking about just a favorite that I could just sit down and watch anytime. I mean, I, I could <laughs> most of the season. Every, it's easier <laughs> yes. to name the ones that it's I can't. One. Well, yes. it's so true because even the the quote unquote lesser ones are are so good. Galileo mm-hmm. Seven is phenomenal. Right. Arena mm-hmm. is good. Court Martial is so much fun. Yes. Space yeah. Seed. I mean, <laughs> come Marshall. on. You've got Space Seed in that episode. I mean, in that season. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, the best one of all, Alternative Factor. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. I mean, it's such it, a strong season. It I mean, really, really is. I mean, it to is. this day, I, I would rank it as the best season, the best first season, at least, of Star Trek. It's among the best seasons of Star Trek for me. Mm-hmm. But, Absolutely. I mean, it's... It's hard to top. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I would go all the way to like DS9 season six looking for a yes. season that or maybe right. next gen season three is up there. Like it's it's like which is amazing because they were just making it up as they went along. There was no Star Trek universe. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 That that may have also made it easier because there wasn't any sure. lore to oh, sure. adhere to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and there wasn't any fanboy expectations that they had to <laughs> <laughs> either either maneuver around or try and match or uh, yeah no. at least and until it was on the work. air i'm i'm sure they were complaining by by week six <laughs> <laughs> well they weren't until 1972 when the very first convention happened up until then everything was just free form <laughs> right the mimeograph went wild <laughs> when the klingons came back with the wrong makeup man right <laughs> See, Aaron Mercy is in season one, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. And I love that episode. Where would I rank yep. that? I love that episode. I love everything yep. about that. The Organians. Right. Here we go. Another lesson because, I mean, one of the greatest scenes in all of Trek, what all serious to me, is at the end when Kirk is screaming and says, we have the right. And what's the name? Mm-hmm. Cuts him off and says what? To wage mm-hmm. war? To kill right. life on the planetary scale? Is that what you're fighting for, Captain? Right and, the, and Shatner is such a great actor because, you know, I think later on Shatner got a real bad rep for that overacting because mm-hmm. he's really a good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt and Elaine, one thing that we've talked about on the show is, as you guys probably know, especially like the first half of the first season, when William Shatner is a much more serious actor, much more kind of a mm-hmm. stern captain than he was in later episodes, you see that that man can truly act. And and mm-hmm. since I started there, all the uh, talking like this, I hear it, but it kind of goes over my head. It goes off my back because I remember that Kirk mm-hmm. and 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 and, uh, and Aaron of Mercy when he shames him, and you see the look on Kirk's face. He goes, "Well," and he's so helpless mm-hmm. looking when they basically say, "Are you fighting for a war?" And mm-hmm. I love that lesson. At the end of the episode, he even tells Spock, "I'm embarrassed because they they called me out. You know, I wanted to have a war." Yeah, I right. love that episode. Yeah. Then you make a good point, Keith, and I'm curious, mm-hmm. like to Elaine especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you went in with some kind of expectations of what Star Trek was, the original <laughs> series. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you've seen some episodes, but were there yeah. any surprises for you watching it when you're facing when watching what the watching the actual show, like episode after episode? I think going to what Keith was saying that I'm so used to like the parodies of Shatner and <laughs> doing the one word at a time thing, but. <laughs> It was, he is a really good actor. I was really, I was kind of like, okay, this is not as cheesy Mm -hmm. as some people may think it is. So yeah, yeah, I I was, I was impressed with that. So, Mm. you know, Um, I was going to ask 
almost the exact same question that Charles just asked, but I was going to ask it specifically about characters. Was there anything about the characters that, uh, that you didn't expect, or was there a character that impressed you that you didn't think would, or was there like a side character that you thought, Oh man, like, like Riley, like Our that guy, is, that guy's fantastic. He should be in more episodes. What did you, um, and, and I'm more, most curious about, about Rand. Mm-hmm. she's a mystery to me a little bit. Like, I don't, I'm not quite sure where, like how she was, I feel like she was supposed to fit in somewhere better than she mm. did right. sometimes. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fascinated with her hair too. Um, <laughs> yeah. You um, can ask Moxie all about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did like seeing um, how they kind of tried to figure out what Spock was going to be or who Spock yep. was going to be um, yes. and how his makeup adjusted and he became not quite as green. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, that yeah. was that was interesting to see that. But then mm. we also had the little game going where if Matt could find Leslie somewhere in the background. You're playing Where's Waldo with Leslie every time you watch an episode. (laughs) You know, but yeah. (laughs) Mr. Leslie, the the famous, I'm sorry, sir, we're all waiting to beam down to the planet. That was from this side of paradise. That that was the famous, this is mutiny, mister. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. How about you, Veronica, for what Alan's asking? What? Watching the early episodes of Star Trek. I mean, are you you surprised by any of the performances or? No. Yeah. I mean, I knew the like the traditional Shatnerisms, but I also, I, I I never really. I mean, when I watched the shows on reruns, it was usually mm-hmm. TNG that was on reruns, not the original series. Uh, I don't think I'd seen a lot of it before Chuck, but I I knew enough about Shatnerisms to know that it's overdone. Mm. So and yeah, I, so I didn't really have any expectations of any of the characters. Right. Absolutely. I mean, like, I think think the difference with Elaine is she's seen some of the newer versions of the characters before having gone back to see them as well. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think because I I, um, like when you're talking about with with Shatner and I remember, uh, Chuck, you were talking about the Corbomite maneuver that that's the famous. What's the mission of this ship doctor? And he gives this really great speech. That's really good. And I like, there's a really throwaway scene from the man trap, but that again, that's the Shatner. I remember there was a scene where he says, I don't like mysteries. They give me a bellyache. And right now I got a whopper. That's not <laughs> the same Kirk that you see later. He's so serious and kind of stoic in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, in balance of terror, that great scene with McCoy, where he's like, I look around this bridge and I see those, those faces looking at me. What if I guess wrong? I mean, what an, you know, just mm-hmm. what an incredibly great actor. And then, like you said, with the uh, Wayne, with the conscience of the King, I mean, Shatner's acting against another actor who was a Shakespearean actor in real life. And that man mm. is just holding the stage. And I put William Shatner then against Avery Brooks and, and Patrick Stewart mm. for good acting then. But you're right. He's become so unfairly maligned as the, the yeah. over actor later on, which mm. is unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he helped himself by doing some of the, and this has nothing to do with Star Trek, but doing some of the recordings, like some of the quote unquote songs that he did. I think that he was Mm -hmm. maybe even playing into his own caricature. Right. I think that that doing that kind of stuff, like the Beatles covers that he did and things like that and Rocket (laughs) Man and all that. (laughs) I I think that 
I think that he was doing this is what this is what people think I am. Yes. I, I don't I'm yes. not sure. I can't I don't have any definitive thing to say about that, but I, that's that's kind of my sense of it. because when you look at his acting, he is so much better than he gets credit for. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Elaine, something else you said I thought was interesting. You said about Spock's character hadn't been defined. Um, and I don't know if you know some of the history of that. Of course, one, they hadn't really defined his character because uh, in um, the the cage slash the menagerie, and of course, we had to the Muds women, Spock straight up smiles. I mean, just a big old broad smile. Right. And then, of course, there's the famous there's the famous line that people like to quote when um, they were beaming down the Talos. And he runs for it and yells, the women, you know, which (laughs) Spock would usually, you know, act like that. But one of the things, in addition to them truly trying to define his characters, is that Leonard Nimoy had said that in the first episode with Jeffrey Hunter, that Jeffrey Hunter was so low energy and kind of not really engaged. He was so stoic that Leonard Nimoy was bouncing off of Jeffrey Hunter and he found himself automatically being more emotional because Jeffrey Hunter, he felt, wasn't giving enough emotion. Mm-hmm. And every, everybody says that when William Shatner was hired to replace Jeffrey Hunter, everybody, even George Takai, who later hates him, they said he bounded onto that stage, onto that set. And he, he was Kirk from the moment he bounded to that stage. And Leonard Nimoy said that Shatner had so much energy as Kirk that he found himself automatically lowering his emotional pitch as Spock. Mm. And he always said that Shatner made him a better Spock, which I think is just, you know, fascinating. It's right. it's so interesting, you know, when you, you can do that same comparison at the very mm-hmm. beginning of Voyager, too, because when uh, Jean-Vierre Bujold, you they have her, the, the, the little bit of material that she mm. filmed on mm-hmm. the DVDs, you can see mm-hmm. it. And when you watch that and then you watch um Mulgrew come in and do those same scenes it is a world of difference you're right like you see Janeway immediately when Mulgrew steps into that role like she just owns it mm-hmm. that's um, a very good point yeah she Wayne, had a lot of energy Wayne says honestly the Rand character was treated like the normal eye candy of the 60s she was there until they ran out of ideas for her mm-hmm he also yeah. says, Rocket Man. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of Rand, what is, we all, there's all these things where you don't know quite what the story was. The story is the truth, really, that she was written out of the show because they didn't want to have a love interest holding Shatner's character no. back. Or was it because of her, her, her problems in her personal life? Yeah, she, well, she went into it in more detail in her autobiography. And I don't have okay. all those details in front of me. But there mm-hmm. was also um, someone working on the show and there was a sexual assault but um that she uh, was the victim of and then wow. she was sort of written off the show but i don't oh, i don't want to i don't want to half yeah. remember the details of that but check uh-huh. out grace lee whitney's autobiography and she gives her account of what happened behind the scenes of star trek yeah interesting um one real quick thing elaine you talked about i thought you you talked that you'd answered uh, chuck's question earlier about you know how do you look how do y'all you and veronica look at women back then you know and you say it was what it was and it's so fascinating because to me as a black person i can see all these people like mr boma on galileo 7 who actually gets on my last nerves and other black guys on the show who are you know who are great and sometimes yeah. just them being there is good and of course uh dr daystrom but yeah. one thing i find so fascinating is such a small scene but so critical with yeoman rand is in um gosh it's either the episode is it um the naked time yeah i think it's the naked time where kirk calls rand to the bridge and he tells her to take the helm 
And remember, she goes, sir, oh, he yeah. goes, take the helm. And if yeah. you think about that in the 60s for a woman, especially mm-hmm. a woman who was a yeoman who in other episodes was literally giving him coffee that she heated up with a phaser. Right. She's helming a starship. That's huge. And yeah. later on, Uhura helmed the starship mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Uh, court martial. Yeah. Right. So that's that was huge back in the day for that to be uh, shown there. Yeah, yeah I, I think one thing about Star Trek is it, it was trying. It was trying yeah. to be progressive. Yeah. They're right. just right. in the yeah. past. <laughs> they're trying to be exactly. Progressive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. They they're they're walking that line of having mm-hmm. to fit in with what the television landscape is yep. and the expectations are, but at the same time doing something different and mm-hmm. stepping yes. outside of that and dealing Absolutely. with their own preconceptions and their own sure. biases yeah, as people sure. who a lot of right. a lot of them born in the twenties and thirties. Yeah, right. absolutely. But I'm yeah, I'm absolutely. glad when I when I look at it on old show and it's backwards. I mean, I would hate to look at an old shows and it was more progressive than we are. Like, what would that say? <laughs> you know? Yes. Oh, <laughs> the good old right. days when women could speak. You know, that'd be awful. <laughs> oh no. Well, the only time you'll see that Chuck is if you watch 1920s and early 1930s pre Hayes Code movies. Yeah, the pre Code. And you, yeah, and I am I I am continually stunned how how much more mature those movies were, and and mm. we hit the 19. 19- 40s Hollywood. Right. Uh, I had a a question for y'all, Veronica and and Elaine and Matt. Was there a guest character that stood out for you? Was there one like guest character, you know, whether it was Khan or Edith Keeler? Which one was like your favorite that stood out for you in the in the first season? I I really like Ricardo Montalban as Khan, but I also (laughs) really like Sally Kellerman. Mm. In uh, where no man has gone before. I agree. One, she was good in it, but she was also just really, like, gorgeous. Uh, there was something about mm. her presence on the screen mm. that was just yeah. very—I don't have words for it. But yeah, <laughs> I really, I really liked her in that. So those are probably my two favorites. Very, that's very cool. You don't, Ooh. you don't hear people talk about Sally Kellerman very often in 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 answering that yeah. question. And right. so I'm that's glad true. that she gets a little shout out. Yeah. Right. How about you, uh, Matt? This season had so many great <laughs> guest stars. I mean, yes. it's amazing. That's one of the reasons why it's so strong. But the one that stuck out stood out to me this watch through, and I think he carried an episode that I think is re- really average otherwise, but he elevates it, and that's John Calico's It's Core and Aaron. Mm. Wow. An uh, average episode? What? <laughs> okay, well, okay. Well, these are my nitpicking and ranking how I rank them, but here we go again. I, 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 I think it's I, I think there's a little bit of tell but not showing on this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I know a lot of it is they couldn't they couldn't show uh, the Organian appearing on the different home worlds as they described. Mm-hmm. But yeah. feel like when they said they gunned down the Organians outside, they could have showed them outside and gun down some they they're and they're examples of things i thought they could have shown mm-hmm. instead of told but again it's nitpicking it's but yeah. but what is not nitpicking and what's great is john calico's is amazing right mm. absolutely yeah. he yeah. owned that role didn't he yeah yeah he did. how about you, how about you veronica who would you say would be your like a guest star that really stood out for you Balak. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the little yeah. hidden one. Oh, he's so Howard. Funny. Yeah. 
to this day, Clint Howard, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> how many times have all of us seen that episode to this day? If you put it on, when, he, when you hear that man voice come out of that baby body and he does that, you know, he puts his head back in the, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it, it's just so hilarious. I love it every single time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's slightly creepy too, in a non sort of yes. way. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. Not yeah. creepy in a creepy way, but creepy in an awesome way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's even creepier is when he, as an adult, Went and did it again. <laughs> that was hilarious. It was. It was. And we're we're almost at time, but I did have another question. Oh. Elaine, I mean, watch, watching like the menagerie or the cage, whichever one you watched, and I guess you'd already seen Captain Pike on Discovery. Mm. Yes. Um, mm. but I mean, what what was it like? Well, I mean, did did you watch the cage first or did you watch the menagerie first? I don't know, Matt. Which one did we watch? <laughs> we watched the two-parter menagerie. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna watch the cage when we finish the third Good. season because oh. we don't want to end on Turnabout Intruder. As it should be. Wow. That's the correct answer. Hold on. You are gonna be you're in for a treat watching the original cage. It's it's so different in so many ways. You're you're in for a treat. Yeah. Well, what did you think of the flashbacks? The the version of Pike of number one of Spock in those days? Um I don't know that I have an opinion. Okay. Because when when you say Captain Pike, to me, my head goes. I see. I see Anson Mount. I don't. Wow. Right. <laughs> I see the hair. I see, yes. <laughs> the hair, baby. <maybe. laughs> that man's got some righteous hair. Right. <laughs> I, I space daddy. You know. I just, <laughs> you, yeah, know I <laughs> you know it. You know it. So yeah, that, that I don't. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's my answer. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that's a great question. I think that's a great response because for me, Anson Mount really is the new Pike, but Pike is always Jeffrey Hunter. Mm. I, yeah. I'll, I'll flip that question for Matt because Matt, I mean, I know you'd seen mm. the Menagerie before Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds, before Discovery. I mean, yes. what do you think of how they've reinterpreted those characters bringing them to television? I think I have to compartmentalize in that I can't. I can't think of it as the same continuity. I just, it's just too different, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think about it too much. I just go with it <laughs> there. Yeah. I, I do prefer these versions of Spock and Pike and Kirk to the Kelvin verse versions. Uh, <laughs> I think they do a better job of giving us an ultimate version than they do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just want to uh, get in real quick that Wayne chimes in with uh, talking about the sixties environment, Rod Serling left TV because of what he called the dumbing down of television, referring to the quality of the writing that was Mm. happening. So I can see that because so many people who, so many people who, um, good point, Wayne, so many people who worked on Star Trek also worked on Twilight Zone and mm-hmm. Outer Limits and Alcoa Presents. And, and I also think you can't, we talked about this before, you also can't overestimate the fact that I think it was you who said it, Charles, the length of episodes back mm-hmm. then. They had yeah. a significant amount of extra time to tell one story. That's true. Yeah. And they also didn't have B stories a lot Ex- back then. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, episodes tended to be like 50 to 52 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's insane when yes. we get 42 mm-hmm. to 45 now. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, and one story, not a B story and fewer commercial breaks. Ex- so, yeah. Exactly. And, and you know what? I was thinking today about uh, Far Beyond the Stars. And I was mm-hmm. thinking that what 
I was thinking, well, A, that's just the best episode of television ever made. Not mm-hmm. not just Star Trek. I mean, television. Right. And you know what? It it never occurred to me before this morning in the shower. Don't ask me why I was thinking about it in the shower. <laughs> that it's one of the only modern, well, at that time, modern Star Trek episodes that did not have an A, B, and or C storyline. It was one story. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I that's, typically... that's a complete... Yeah, I typically don't like B stories. I mean, there have been a lot of great B stories in Star Trek history, but I would actually prefer just a standard yeah. A story. That's me. I, I kind of prefer it like that. I miss okay. it when it's just one single story. And we had some like Darbok was one story. There's not truly an A or B. We've had a lot of good ones like that. Yeah, right. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, I mean, guys, thank you for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you for having us. And now if you're enjoying hearing Matt and Elaine, they're going to be back. We're going to be doing this again next week. And yes. next week, we're going to be talking about season three of Star Trek Enterprise. Yes, finally. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and guys, we really, 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 really wanted to thank you because we didn't expect y'all to do this. I mean, you just, it, it was this really cool organic thing where you started watching. And then now, like, you got and there's these great conversations. And you, you notice how, like, you notice I'm like two or three in the morning, I'm always responding to your Enterprise watches. <laughs> And then, like Charles was saying, we didn't expect you guys to rank them. And I love the whole interplay with you and Alan and a taste art again, <laughs> which is just awesome. <laughs> so I mean, this is you have you have really seriously you've added a lot to the group with this because we didn't expect yeah. this, and it's been so thoughtful and it's so great to see all these different opinions, like with Veronica. Because um, like for me, it's impossible for somebody not to have seen every episode of the original series like 25 times. But I have been watching the original series for 51 years nonstop. And so it's wild and cool to see new people and to get these different opinions. And so we really want to thank you for doing it because you're really adding a lot to the group with this. It's been so much fun. Agreed. Aww. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> and now a couple of quick announcements. Um, our crossover episodes with the, the Cosmic Pizza podcast will begin um, at the beginning of February. So if you're not following the, nice. po- the Cosmic Pizza podcast feed, their episode is going to come out sort of, I think, first week of February. But they say February mm-hmm. 1st, um, I believe, is in that we had a long and a good discussion about the possibilities of extraterrestrial life in the universe. Yeah. Uh, yes. Which is a lot of fun. It was and then great. we did an episode with them, which will be sometime in the next week. I haven't I, I, I have an idea of when it's going to come out, but we'll see. Um and that'll be the probably in the second week of February, but also the second week of February, we're going to be, I mean, we'll be launching on the first day of the Captain Picard Week Podcast Festival. Be, oh, yeah. Part of the festival will be over on their channels, uh, talking about Star Trek, hopefully uh, meeting some new friends. And we'd love for, you know, folks who follow our show to, to give the support to those shows as well, because the whole thing is about just all these podcasts coming together. And, yeah. um, you know, maybe you'll find you know, a new podcast that you love. Yeah. Yes. Right on. All right, so Matt, where can people find more of you? Uh, well, as we mentioned before, we're very active on uh, Facebook. Um, if you're in the group, send us a friend request, and you can see our, we call it live Facebooking instead of live tweeting mm-hmm. episodes as we watch them. And uh, we're currently about a third of the way through the third season of Enterprise. No, awesome. Fourth. fourth season, fourth season. I'm sorry. And then we're going to get back into Star Trek, the original series, with the second season of Star Trek after that. Oh, so. wow. Can't and wait. we'll have you back on to talk about TOS yes. season two, right? <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. How, how about you, Elaine? You can find me 
at monkeying around on Twitter and monkeying around. I guess you do the arms. Wait, no, we do have monkeyingaround.com. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> oh, that's um, felt nerdy. I was doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, let me start over again. Um, I'm on Twitter, monkeying around. Um, I have a Facebook, monkeying around. I'm also on Facebook as Elaine Swetman. And yeah, that'll be all for tonight. <laughs> How about you, Alan? Cosmicpress.com. K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. You will find about- the answers to all your questions there. How about you, Keith? <laughs> You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook groups, primarily the ESO network groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. And? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. That's right. There you go. (laughs) And do you have a closing for us this week? The women! Hey, that was good. That was good. I like it. I'm glad that was from the first season. (laughs) I wasn't sure. Well, you know. (laughs) Relatable. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.